The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, America, and welcome to America's Web Radio. And it's time now, a veteran's place. We start every show with a moment of silence. And uh, we ask that you uh, pray for our soldiers, our veterans. Okay, so anyway, we're going to take a moment of silence, and uh, we'll be back right after this. Also, start every show to make sure everybody's heart's beating with what I always thought was fun and helped to get me through every day. I can do it. He can hang. He can hang. Young man. Young man. He can hang. He can hang. Feels good. Feels good. So good. So good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Pick him up. Pick him up. Put him down. Okay, folks, okay. we got Don on the air, and, uh, oh, everything is just beautiful, and it's not even Friday the 13th yet, but it's coming. It's coming. So, Don, I'm just going to turn it over to you and uh, take a deep breath, and hopefully we'll get through the rest of the show. Hey, doesn't matter. Uh, good morning and good afternoon to the listeners. Uh, the word that all the veterans and first responders use is adapt and overcome. And in a way, uh, that's a great lead-in for uh, the entire segment today and for a couple segments we're going to hear uh, the topics we're going to deal with in the next four or five sessions. For the people that are just joining, I want to just spend a couple minutes reviewing the purpose of this group of uh, discussions is to familiarize the veterans and first responders with what to expect if you decide to uh, engage a mental health counselor. And I use those soft words because you're not going to be strapped in a white jacket and taken away and incarcerated. So the purpose of this is to demystify the fear of seeing a psychologist or a mental health provider. Uh, 
it's not like going to emergency room where you've had a heart attack while you're eating lunch in a restaurant. It is not like that, where you wake up in an intensive care unit. Nothing, nothing like that happens. Point number one, there is no mind control that these people, the mental health care people, are going to, or psychologists or psychiatrists, are going to exert over you. There's no magical thinking. There's no incredible weird things that are going to happen. They're simply going to use the tools and skills that they have to train you how to use the tools and skills that you'll need to overcome the problems associated with PTSD. There is no fear or horror stories from vets who have been forced to change their belief system. In fact, we discussed it last week. The the therapist, mental health provider, is going to pretty much maybe even have a written contract with you that before they even start, they're going to ask you, what are your goals? What would you like to do? What do you see as normal? What would you? What state would you like to return to? And how interested are you? And how motivated are you? You're really going to set the pace for that. So you're going to be in control the entire time during these sessions. Now, you may have a veteran who uh, engaged in image rehearsal therapy or virtual reality or prolonged exposure. The dropout rate on that is much higher than cognitive behavioral therapy uh, and cognitive processing therapy. So it's like a menu. There are a lot of different things that you can engage. And not only that, part of the framework is as you get better at using the skills, they may invite you, and I use a capital I invite you, to participate in maybe a therapy that you might not have wanted to participate in. But you are not going to go into a therapeutic relationship with a mental health counselor that's going to scare you or bring back horrible memories. You just say, hey, you know, uh, I don't wish to engage in virtual uh, reality or image rehearsal or prolonged exposure. And they go, fine, we there's plenty of things to do. So uh, what, <laughs> what you have to do is find out your level of motivation before you, before you engage in this. And then when you get that, then uh, then go ahead and make your move. So we were discussing the seven principles of therapeutic intervention. And the first principle, in a nutshell, is do no harm to the patient. That goes back to ancient Greek times, apparently. Uh, do no harm. The second principle is that the therapy must enhance the client's ability to manage extreme bodily states at both ends of the spectrum. People with PTSD are well aware of what we're talking about. You go from high arousal to kind of like shutting down. One is called hyperarousal, and the other is hypoarousal. And when you get into an emotional and physical numbness state, that's pretty much associated with dissociation. Your therapy will cover uh, how to deal with that, and, how, and the tools you can use, and they're very effective. So the first thing they're going to do is they're going to assess you in this program. They're going to ask you, what would you like to do? Where do you want to go with this? They're not going to take over and uh, do something that you're really not, not on board with. Okay, so the next thing we want to talk about 
is the uh, some other things. They're called freedom steps, and these freedom steps are based on the use of prior established and effective tools that you can use to uh, progress down your healing. It's not you're not going to have a scary stage for your healing, so don't don't look forward to it because it's not going to happen. The third principle is you must enhance the client's ability to approach and master rather than shut off awareness. Now, this is an important, very important thing to understand. When it, when your PTSD brain, we'll talk that way, is engaged, what you do, what you do, what occurs is an automatic reflex. You have been through battle or if you're a first responder, every day is a battle for you. But you go through a reflex mental uh, situation where it's already in gear before you know uh, what was happening. Let's uh, take a break. And this is critical. To, go ahead. Dave? Okay, we're going to take a break, and uh, we'll get back with Don right after this. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio? Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And I think you're listening to uh, a day earlier, Friday the 13th this morning. For some reason, the uh, the bears have taken over the studio, and sometimes you get the bear, and sometimes the bear gets you. But I did want to make sure that everyone knows who Don Moeller is, Dr. Don Moeller. He is not only an MD, but he's also a DDS. He was first a dentist, then he went back to medical school and became a medical doctor. And he has a device, if you're not sleeping well at night because of PTSD, he has a device that he's developed that will, it's 98% effective. It will help you sleep. And that sleep is one of the most important things going. So with that being said, Don, back to you and uh, a veteran's place. Hey, once again, we're reminded just what happened, Dave, you know, by having curveballs thrown at us and you contributed to Friday the 13th. That's exactly uh, a lead in to what I'm talking about right now. PTSD people, when you're confronted with strange situations your alert system and we're going to talk about three systems this is review your alert system 
and your file system and your thinking system. And there's a war on between those in cases of uh, something happening you don't know how to handle. And so we made it through our tours of duty, and that's to include first responders. You made it through the tours of duty because you had a great alert system. But the fact is, you don't need it. And you, you need it for an emergency, but you don't need it for da- daily things. So I prepared for this radio show, and all of a sudden it's a late start. Uh, I've been cut off a couple times. That's exactly what I'm talking about today. It's a practical exercise for the guy here talking to you. My heart rate didn't go up. I go, it's not a life-threatening situation. Nobody's out to get me. All right. So you just roll with it, and it will work itself out. But the most important thing to understand, when you go see a physician and he taps your knee and your leg jerks out, that's a, that's a reflex. Well, what happens in your brain with PTSD is close to a reflex. It's not a reflex. It's kind of a well-worn path that we take to, to get the job done. And we talked about that. But the thing uh, on the third principle, that is inflexible and automatic, Okay. And you tend to generalize. Now, if you watch how you react to things, start looking for this. Now, this is step one in a way, maybe to make your decision to go see a mental health care provider and talk about some of this stuff. Now, here's what we're, the fourth principle is. They're going to provide the clients with useful new information. New information. They're not going to use neck chokeholds or anything. This is providing you with information on how you can actually use to get rid of that powerless feeling that you have when you get reminders of your traumatic experience or you think you're about to get into another uh, traumatic experience situation. There are principles that you can use, and that is what they're going to teach you. Now, the fourth principle, and this is where we kind of left off last week, uh, the therapeutic education, they're going to show you probably a diagram. Uh, and it's a normal diagram. On one side, going to have a guy's brain, and he's a smiling guy. And he has an alarm system, which is located in the amygdala. Well, connected to that alarm system is the filing system, which is called the hippocampus. And the next system is the thinking system. So you draw three circles, one above each other. Well, in a normal system, the alarm, the amygdala, will immediately run to the file room and say, what do we have on this situation? And the filing room will go, okay, let's talk to the cortex, the thinking part, and get an idea of where we want to put this situation with what we know. Well, in extreme stress, that system doesn't work because it doesn't have time to. So if you go from a first responder situation where you, and I've been there, I've been there, the blue lights, the police, the fire trucks, people on the road, bystanders, okay, and you're the only EMT right there, uh, that's stressful. So your alarm system goes off, but you've had training, but let's pretend this is your first time on the scene. Your alarm system's going off and say, I'm now responsible to save all these lives. Well, the thinking part kind of gets blurred out, and you look into your file for references, like, have I ever seen something this bad before? There's nothing in that file. So you go to 
your first thing, which is you're running off the alarm and the amygdala. Well, that, that will persist in veterans, and that will persist first responders and other people who have PTSD. And what happens is you have to learn how to reorient that system, rewire that system so that you can overcome. And we're going to talk about that later in this program on some techniques to do that, and they really do work. So basically, this is going to be giving you information. Now that you know how your brain works, I mean, when somebody puts a gun in your face the first time it ever happens, and it happens all the time now, you, your, your amygdala is like, we got to get out of here. You know, that's step one. Get out. Well, if you're a soldier with a, with a mission, or you're an EMT or fireman, a policeman with a mission, that option is not there. And that's where the panic starts, okay? So what, what the mental therapist is going to do is using observational skills that you're going to train yourself. And I have to, have to say, the reason I'm not any good at playing the piano is I don't sit down and practice. I'm not any good at golf either because I don't go practice. Well, if you want to get good at learning these skills, you're going to have to practice them. You go, well, how do you practice a mental skill? Your therapist will, will talk to you about it. But these are skills that you learn, that you master, that you go, imagine now that you are not a rookie cop or a rookie fireman, and you roll up on a big wreck scene with the blue lights and the red lights and the ambulance lights and the activity. You start to look for things to sort uh, organizational plans from chaos, and that's why they call them the old hands. Because you look at that situation and the rookies go, the world is ending, and within, within seconds, the old hands go, it's under control, here's what you do next. Now that is what the therapists are going to do with, with your PTSD thing. They're going to teach you skills that when you come up upon a potentially stressful situation, a personal inter interaction, or we might call it a flashback, they're going to say, look, Nothing's going to happen. Relax. And you're going to use those skills to figure it out. The sixth principle. Now, we're going to have principles, and we're going to separate them from some other things. But these are the seven principles, okay? There is a shared consensus that you're going to develop with your therapist on all the decisions that you would like to, where you'd like to go with your treatment, Okay. They are going to preserve your personal integrity and autonomy. You are not going to be railroaded into any position. You have to understand that. Because the therapists are, are, are out to, to do what's best for you. Okay. So now we're going to go ahead and kind of summarize what these principles are going to do. They are teaching you skills to deal with an autonomic or automatic reflex that you've got that puts you in a bad situation when you start letting it take control. And I'll, I'll give you a little instance of what happened. Uh, you know, I, uh, I uh, have a little sailboat, and uh, I went out sailing with a buddy of mine. It was on the Chesapeake Bay when I was at Fort Eustis. And we got caught in a squall. And when you get caught in a squall in a small boat, 
that's uh, highly inducive to severe stress because you you figure you're going to eat it, and it hits you suddenly. In fact, my buddy and I did not have time to even, and he was an Army veteran as well, did not have time to even put our life jackets on. But what did we do? We learned skills that you let the air out of the sail, you head it into the wind. But things continue to get rough. But you, you, you stick with what you know and you use those skills. And you get through it. And that's the same thing. It doesn't, you don't have to be in a traffic accident and you don't have to be in combat. PTSD can be excited by anything that gives your amygdala or the alarm system control. Now, there were principles, and now we're going to talk about seven freedom steps. Now, this, and I want to give credit uh, to these authors. Uh, this is the book, Traumatic Stress Disorder, Scientific and Professional Dimensions by Julian Ford. Now, this is a very thick book with, I guess, 600 pages. I don't know. Uh, it's a thick book, and it's, for, and it's for caregivers and mental health caregivers. But the reason I'm mentioning it, the stuff I'm telling you here is not simply stuff that I've made up and thought that it might, it might uh, be useful to you. It's not. These are from a, a panel of editors and specialists and citing the huge uh, um, area of research that's been published. So I want to assure you this is I'm not an old man, you know, blowing smoke at you here. So the freedom... Steps. These are not the good, Dave. Okay, folks. Uh, well, we gotta we gotta work with Don on when we go to break. Uh, you don't have to stop it right there and then. But anyway, we'll we'll talk to Don, and we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be back with Doctor Don Moeller and a veteran's place talking about PTSD right after this. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio? Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, thanks again, Dave. So what we're going to discuss now are the four, I'm sorry, seven freedom steps. The first one, first step, the F, is focus. Okay, we kind of mentioned uh, this uh, in a couple other shows, uh, but I'm going to put it in the official format now we've got to remember number one you have to be motivated to practice these are skills that you learn uh, when you do a special training in your in the military uh, or your first responder 
those are skills that are innate with you. And so you're going to have to learn these just like a skill. And you go, well, how can I see any change? Because it's like in my mind. It's more what's on your mind is in your body. Talk to some people that have problems with stress, and it will seep into your into your physical being. So it is in your physical being. So step one is focus. Focus is, and I'm I'm pretty much quoting it. You're clearing your mind, sweeping your mind on the one thought that reminds you, and, and, and keeping that in your mind, sweeping everything else away. It reminds you of who you are, what you value, and what you believe. Well, that comes from the thinking center. So I remember when I was in Vietnam, I was like a spec four, and the first thing that I saw within a week was a mass casualty. We're not prepared for that. There's no way I could have uh, could have gone through that. Having attended trauma surgery sessions now after medical school, if I had to do it again, the outcome would have been pretty similar. The people were really jacked up, and most of them died. Well, here's what I'm trying to tell you. That's what the therapists are going to do. You're going to, as if I'm a spec four, I'm thinking I could have saved those guys' lives if only I had done this or if only I had this. Well, I can assure you that even a general surgeon, a trauma surgeon, right there couldn't have done better. So that's kind of step one of an entry into why you probably want to talk to a therapist. You may be carrying around a lot of baggage for something that you thought you could have done, and you really couldn't, and you're taking the blame for it. Do I take blame for what the communists did to those people? No, I don't. Could I have done better even now that I know what I uh, know what to do? No, I could not have done better. And you need to start considering that. So how do you, what's the step one on focus? You use your thinking center if you're starting to have a flashback and you think, wait a minute, that's not who I am. And that's, and we're not going through that again. And most likely I reacted the best way any human being could have done. So what is this therapy going to do on focus? When you're starting to slide and remember uh, some of the things that cause your PTSD, we'll call it a flashback, well, you're going to use the tools that they train you with. And one of them is you go to your filing center and you look at the files that what gives your life meaning and hope right now. Don't go back in the past. You don't have to go there. So what you're really doing is you're establishing a main goal. Focus, you're focusing on a main goal. You go to your thinking center and you use the core values which you use to create those files in the filing center. Remember, there's the alarm center, the filing center, like, hey, what kind of emergency is this? And your thinking center. The object of all these freedom steps is to let you reappraise every situation in light of your main goals. Your main goals are not to run from the situation or dissociate and just blank out. Okay. So the first uh, R, free to unfreedom, is recognize triggers. Well, 
if you deny that you got PTSD and need help, you're going to go, I don't have any triggers. Well, I guarantee you that you do have triggers. As, as, <laughs> without a doubt, you've got triggers. Okay. So it, the first, one of the first steps on the road, remember these are the seven steps, seven skills. Are your triggers and reminders of intensely negative experience? There's no need to dwell on those. So why do you dwell on them? Well, something reminds the alarm center of something that happened. Well, then you go back and you go, wait a minute, we've already discussed this with thinking center, and they refile that case under something else. I want to say that again. When you come up upon triggers of some sights and sounds and smells, maybe the weather, and you combine a couple of those, it's going to remind your alarm system, hey, we're smelling smoke here, Mr. Happy, happy Guy. Better get your serious face on. Well, in reality, there is no danger. But your alarm system has been set up for that. So what, it, what happens? Your thinking center is now in balance. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Your thinking center is now balanced to interact with your amygdala and override it. The alert center is the amygdala. Now you're living in balance when you've, you have the tools. When a sight, sound, or smell starts to move you, instead of going to the alarm system and having that take over, the balance is the thinking center walks into that situation and says, hey, you're a board-certified EMT or police or fireman, and you know what to do. You go with what you know. And that gives you the confidence. Okay. Now, you will also learn to parse out the real threat versus a reminder. Remember, this is like, uh, like a reflex action that you go through. It preserved your life. So your alarm center says, look, don't jump on us. We preserved the life here, and it was our own life. So it, there must be something to what we know and do. Well, what happens is that system you brought back with you from a war zone or for first responders, you, every day is a war zone for your whole career. So you have to parse those important things out from the emotional things. Now, the two, there are two E's in freedom. The first E is the emotional self-check. So what you do, when you go into a situation where you think you're going to get involved with it, we'll call it a mini flashback, you immediately go to this thinking center and go, first of all, the main goal right now is I'm moving on to improve my life. And there is no threat. So the alarm system, we're just going to kind of not shut it off. We're, we're going to turn down the horn or the ringing bell to a level that we can still think. Now, that's what your thinking center is going to do. Okay, leave the alarm on, but it's not an overwhelming, horrible sound uh, like a sinking submarine in those movies. So you basically are jump-starting your, your thinking center. So what happens is you have an immediate balance take place between the amygdala or alarm, alarm center and your thinking center, which is the cortex. So rather than have the amygdala 
the old phrase, we'll take it from here, you go, no, you won't take it from here. You're going to share every order with the thinking center and the file room. What are you doing when you practice relationships? And we'll talk about that in subsequent programs. You are, you're building a large file of, oh, I, we rehearsed it. This is what they're going to say and this is what I'm not going to do. Okay. The second freedom step, I mean correction, the, the second E is for emotions. You have to identify the fact and, and, and exclude the emotions from, you know, reacting. Uh, <laughs> that is easier said than done, but you definitely won't be able to do it without learning the skills. And you have to practice these skills. What are alarm, typical of alarm things? Well, it's, re, it's, a, it's a highly reactive physiological response. It can be terror, it can be rage, and it can be shame. Why? Because the alarm system has you primed continually. Skills, practice skills, are going to move that into the safe zone, into the balance zone. So, basically, the control pathway, instead of immediately going to the alarm system, is go to the thinking system first. And that's what these skills are doing. They're based on facts. If you want to look at that book that I recommended, yeah, I don't recommend you buy it. It's expensive. But you know what? If you've got PTSD, then your, your best bet, I mean, it's kind of your, your disease. Now, uh, my hobby is kind of like paleogeology. Yeah, I'm a geek. Self-identify as a geek. Well, I got a lot of books on that. If you want to get a book on PTSD and healing with PTSD, you go to Amazon, one click, in it, and get a used one, you know, <laughs> a recent but used one. It's really, for someone that's got PTSD, first responder, soldier, there's no law that you can't become familiar with your own disease, okay? So what's, what do you've got? When you evaluate those thoughts, you're realizing that rather than have an automatic system that immediately sets you off, you go, no, I'm used to this. And that's why I gave the example. When you're driving down the road and you get hit with a blue light, and the blue lights, well, that's what the kind of situation we're talking about. Like, what did I do wrong? What's, what's happening? Well, if you work for the police department, you go, oh, I probably have a taillight that's out. Okay? So... Remember, and this is, write this down, the lights and sirens at a trauma scene do not diagnose the situation. Let me say that again. The number of people, lights, blue lights, red lights, do not diagnose the situation. So your alarm system says, look at all the blue lights, the red lights, the first blah, 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 whatever it is, must be horrible. No, it's not horrible until you get there and find out it really is. What? With information, you go to your file room. So we're going to go to the one, the D in freedom. You have to define goals. And why is this important? Well, because the thinking section, the goal section that sets the goals that you've established before you started your therapy, they are going to put everything else in perspective. And why, what am I saying here? Your goal is to resume a normal life. 
Your goal is to have better interpersonal relations. Your goal is to, to get rid of the reflex excitement and stress. Now, I like to make analogies here. So, basically, we're going to talk about a, a teeter-totter, you know, where somebody heavy sits on, on one side and somebody light sits on the other. Well, in basic physics, they'll tell you, if you take a 500-pound man and put him one foot from the axis that it, that it rotates on, and you took a 50-pound man and put him out 10 feet, they're in balance. You go, wait a minute. So what is this? And this is my analogy. This isn't in the book. There are no diagrams in there except a couple. So basically, what is the, the, the tool training program going to do? Yeah, you still have an alarm. And you know what? You move that fulcrum. You don't give the alarm the 10 to 1 advantage. You move the fulcrum to the middle of the beam so that it's going to be equalized with the thinking. You don't get rid of your thinking center. You just put it on a, on a leveraged beam so that you have, that the alarm has less leverage, and that's the word we're going to use, less leverage in a decision-making process, okay? So, let's move on. We now know what's going on. The D in, in the, in the freedom steps, these, these are the freedom steps is you define the goals. And this is uh, story time right now for one minute. We have time for a story. Before I deployed for Desert Storm, uh, we were in the, whatever, Base X, PX, whatever it is. And I went in, I saw on the checkout stand, the little grab items, I saw a wrist compass for five bucks. And I bought that because I knew, having been to Vietnam, when you approach a base camp at night, nobody leaves the light on for you because you'll leave the light on for the enemy. So here's a situation, and these are two situations in Desert Storm. One was when I went to another hospital during the day to add, help them in surgery. But I knew when I came out at night, there would be no indication where the... Uh, my mass unit was. So I walked over with another group of doctors, and they went in, and I said, you better take an asthma. Well, they never been to a war. They went in. Well, I turned around, and I took a back asthma right to our base camp, which was about a mile away. Well, as I expected, we were in the hospital. When the surgeries were over, I went out. It was pitch dark. And I just took my $5 compass, looked, you know, lit it up with, charged it with my flashlight, whatever it was, and I walked that asthma straight almost into the door of my tent, figuratively speaking. None of the other doctors made it back. They looked out and said, we don't know where our, 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 our hospital is. They spent the night in the hospital unit until, until daylight. The second time was when I got caught in a, in a, in a sandstorm. And I saw it coming. I said, going to be bad. I immediate, what was my reaction? It was to immediately get an azimuth to where I was going. Held the compass up, got an azimuth, pulled my brown T-shirt, whatever, uniform over my face, and walked that azimuth. And I came right to where my base was. 
Now, why am I telling this story? That is what we're talking about, goal setting with PTSD. Even a $5 compass can save your life. When you use these principles, they're extremely effective. Why? Because science has shown, and these researchers and psychologists have shown, these are effective therapies. It definitely gives you hope, gives you a lot of hope that you really can't turn this around. Now, the O in freedom is options. Remember, the alarm system can never completely override the thinking system. Even in the worst situations, the thinking system still gets a vote, okay? So let's just call it, uh, oh, and you know what? The last one, the last freedom step, the M, I really don't have a good one for M. Uh, I, uh, it was kind of diffuse in this text. So I would suggest that you kind of write your own your own M. I, I would put, you have to be motivated. And that's, that's a critical part. You, you, one day you have to wake up and just say, I am no longer going to be caught in this worldview. And that's what it is. It's a worldview that with practice, you know, the guys that went in and did training in the Army, maybe Airborne, Ranger, everybody starts their training with fear. Well, that's the purpose of the training program, to teach you that, that you can learn a set of skills to, to function in that environment. And so that's what I recommend to our listeners, that you take some notes, go to the archive, write these down. Now, is this psychological therapy? No, it's not. The purpose of this, again, is to remind you that it's nothing scary. It's going to be like dis- discussing uh, discussing something with a friend. And you say, hey, how do you do this? And they're going to tell you. They're going to look at your situation, and they're going to analyze it. That's where the, the trained part of psychotherapy that's a loaded word. We'll call it a, a professional relationship. Well, that, that's where what their training involves. They can look at your life that looks like a bowl of spaghetti with meatballs, and they can lay out the spaghetti strips in straight lines and go, this is where you're going with that. I hope that made sense. It may be confusing, but my point is they will reach into your, into your life experiences bucket and pull out the essential ones. Figure out what your problems are, weight those problems, and then carefully, using the trust that you've placed in them, modify your life and teach you the skills so that you no longer have to live with, with the response uh, of the alarm system. And uh, it will take time, but there is a lot of hope. So uh, hopefully this has talked you into at least considering discussing this with a mental health person. And at no time, and I, and I guarantee you, at no time are you going to be forced to do anything. Or are they going to even attempt to have you change your personal goals? Remember, and, and we, we're going to go back to it, we talked about spiritual and moral things, too, that are not necessarily triggering the alarm system. But we'll talk more on that. Uh, I realize we're going to add more. I mean, maybe next week we'll talk more about it. There's a lot of things there, moral 
conflict, spiritual conflict, you can make the statement, well, I'm, I'm not a spiritual religious kind of guy. If you exist in a culture that's, that's important, yeah, you are. And you can't deny that, uh, you're a spiritual being. You, you can, you, you can, the words can come out of your mouth, but you're going to have a tough time convincing me. Well, Dave, what do you think? Well, I was, I was just thinking about that and, uh, what, what you've been talking about and, I almost went back to uh, my school days, I guess, and as you were talking, I kept thinking, you know, under all, under what he's talking about today is the fact that you better take notes and you're gonna, you've got homework to go home and work on. And between this session and the next session or this show and the next show or or whatever your situation might be as far as contacting the professional, one way or the other, that professional is giving you homework and things you need to put in your pocket and think about during the week or during the month or whatever the time period is between your uh, appointments. Yeah. Yeah, Dave, the the idea that you can go to... uh, uh, your military training, your police training, your fire training. What, what, are, what do you, here's the thing about first responders and soldiers. We live in a life and death training environment. Your rifle jams. This is how you unjam it. You know, your mortar doesn't fire. What are the six steps? Oh, I made that six steps up. Uh, what are the steps to clear it? If you're, you know, you're in aviation. If you're doing, you know, uh, Dave, you're a pilot, and you start to stall and fall through the sky. And when, and when I took the few flight lessons I did, it's like push the yoke in and give it hard right rudder or left, which is it, Dave? But at any rate, and you'll come out of that spin. But when you're starting to spin, that's the time that your training kicks in, and you don't need to think about, you know, I had this aeronautics this uh, book I read that they're not so, no you do what you're told and you live because you know way back and way back you know in the biplane wing days if you went into a spin they died and I think the way it turned out is the guy that was flying said hell if I'm going to die I'm just going to pile into the ground and make sure I don't suffer well he pushed the nose out and did right rudder he wanted to put himself into a irretrievable spin and he came out of it so that's basically what we're talking about, that somebody, thousands of, of, of soldiers, veterans, first responders have been there before, and they learn the skills. And you go, you know what, when you first start tackling it, you get little victories, small steps, baby steps, and that gives you confidence that you really are changing. Well, basically what you're saying, it's like uh, for PTSD, you're learning how to ride your internal bicycle and once you get there, you won't forget it. You know, Dave, I've done a lot of reading, but that's probably the, the best explanation I've heard. Yeah, I mean, have you ever, I, I had ridden a bike in 30 years and I got on it and rode it. Now, how does that happen? You know, I think that's an excellent example. And, uh, you know, there's... I don't know about other folks with PTSD, but, you know, there are times that uh, you just don't know, and all of a sudden you're in that situation that you have to pull. It has to be instinct, you know, and you're riding right. a bicycle. 
Yeah, and I remember after I took my martial arts courses, and, and here's the difference. You know, I took them because the geeks just basically go through a life and don't have a clue. Well, I, I decided to take some from one of my uh, sergeants in my unit, a one-on-one. But basically, when he said, when you detect a threat, you can do something, and I brought this up before, you turn sideways to the threat, and you put your hand near your face like you're really thinking. Well, that has an immediate calming effect because it does several things. Number one, you're in charge. Usually the clown that's being a fool doesn't know that you've had even small amounts of martial arts training. You have decreased the size of his target. So what you've done the first step is you feel much better. You're in control. You beca- your body, the, the alarm system says you're in control, but you haven't started swinging yet. You turn sideways. You show the guy you have less targets. You shift your weight to your back foot. So you distance yourself, but you're still standing and you're stable. You're still on two feet, but, but if he sweep kicks your first leg, you don't go down. And see, that's exactly what you do. It's similar to martial arts. You don't have to throw a punch to, to feel the confidence coming back into your body. And, you know, that's the same thing. You practice, practice, practice until you... you it's actually for you and your confidence that even in a situation where you run up against a punk, that you have something you can do besides sucking, blocking punches with your face. What do you think, Dave? <laughs> I think you're right on. And, and this is something that has to, uh, again, just like riding a bicycle, martial arts is a... Uh, you don't sit there and thumb through a book to see what you do in this situation, you know? Yeah, Dave, that's that's absolutely true. And that's where it's a reflex. And, and, and the first time you do it, and it's automatic, you go, wow, I really, I really did learn something. And that's kind of what we're talking about here with these steps, the seven steps and the seven principles. You get on board, you develop some goals, and then, and then, then you have hope. And, and it does work. And the dog barks. Yes, my dog liked the broadcast this morning. He is a street stray. Elliot is his name. And he helps me on the broadcast here. He wanted me to remind me that it's time for a walk and time to say goodbye to our listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've still got just a minute to go, but that's all right. If, um, If you're ready to bail out, your dog's ready to go for a walk. Well, Dave, I don't want to leave you talking to a microphone. I mean, you know, I tell you, how much time do we have left? 60 seconds? No, we're we're ready to go whenever you are. All right. I'll see you next week, Dave. Okay. Take care, Don. (laughs) Bye, buddy. Bye. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.